this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Thanks, guys. You can uh, grab a seat. You might need a seat because she is just having a great time in church today, the three-year-old. Hi, Nina. How you going? Doesn't want to play with the kids outside, even though I've tried to bribe her and bribe them and get them to <laughs> wrestle her. Hey, really looking forward to the prayer and fast. We do it every year, five days this year. We've been doing three for a while. Once we did 21, which was hardcore. Hardcore. 21 days. Oh, we were just, we must have been younger <laughs> without as many children. <laughs> Prayer and fasting, you know, just a great opportunity to focus on God, enter into a place where you're just really tuning into Him. And oh, just this beautiful man of God, this guy, this brother of mine, just had a real challenge with one of his children. And, um, you know, teenager, going down a path he had no answers for and um, decided to do a week's prayer and fasting and broke something spiritually and really took some ground with his, ch- with his child and, you know, still a bit of a battle to go. But prayer and fasting, you know, you need to think about what breakthroughs you need and what you can do. You might get a headache. You might get some withdrawals or something, especially if you drink coffee and you're going to do coffee or sugar or something like that. But... Daniel Fast is a good one. That's the one I usually do because I work very physically and um, I need something because I don't have much on me to keep me going. Praise the Lord. Come on, let's pray. We're continuing our summer of Psalms. Father, we thank you for this moment. We bless it. We welcome you here and we thank you so much for who you are, for what you've done for us and for what you are doing. And we pray for all of our minds and our hearts to be alert to the work of your spirit which comes amongst us no matter if we're here in this place or tuning in online we think of your holy spirit which leads us into what is right and true in you and where our minds are maybe slightly off the target or thinking or focusing on other things help us to just get centered today in you focused on you alive in you aware of your presence and aware of your bigger sovereignty and plans in Jesus name amen so today we're doing psalm 63 and I uh, just started reading this one last year when I was having a few challenges with some really negative people and, uh, and a lot of other people as well at work. Um, and it became a bit of an anchor for me and I just kept going to it. So I'm going to go to it today, which is um, really good. Let's put this on. When I was in high school, my mother made a cake and she forgot to put sugar in it. And we had a bit of a laugh about it, and she was going to throw it out. But being about 15, you know, you eat everything. Uh, being a male, you just you eat, and then you're like, have I eaten? I don't think I've eaten. I better eat again. And then you eat again, and you're like, all right, I think I've got to eat. Anyway, I was like, no, we can't. It's a cake. We cannot waste a cake. So I took it to school and ate it. And one of my friends, ate, he wanted some, so I gave it to him. And he was like, what is wrong with this cake? <laughs> 
And uh, that memory lasted for a long time while I was in high school. Remember when they used to call me Bowl back then because someone stuck a bowl on my head and cut all my hair off around it? Bowl. Remember Bowl? That guy, that was my old name. Remember when they, that your mum made a cake and she forgot to put sugar in it? Years later. Yeah. I was on a job um, a few years ago and the concreters poured this big car park, like pouring out, out the front of ours and just poured it all. And then it cracked. And I mean it cracked. And I'd never seen anything like it. And the owner said, oh, come and have a look at this. And there was just cracks everywhere. And it cost the construction company $200,000 because this car park with all this concrete had just cracked in the concrete. And what had happened was the mix wasn't quite right. And I'm telling you, it's so important that you get the right mix, whether you get a bad taste in your mouth or it costs you $200,000 on a car park. And in Christ, in God, there's a mix. And in this psalm, there's a mix. And I'm going to pull out four things that are just woven and intertwined and go together. And if you ain't got one of these, you might end up with a bad taste. You might end up down a pathway that's not meant for you or it's away from God or it's not fulfilling the plans and purpose of God for your life. So Psalm 63 says this, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So here is David and at the beginning of this psalm it says while he was in the desert. So his circumstances aren't great and this is a season of his life when he's being chased by Saul. He's on the run and he's in a place where there's nothing. And it's interesting because 600 men come and join him. 600 and one priest, one priest who's got the ephod and he develops this fantastic habit of seeking God and he's developed it way before he writes this psalm. He says in verse 2, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name I lift up my hands. So he's just going hard worship here. My soul will be satisfied with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. They who seek my life will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. Hell, in other words, in other versions, say that. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals or foxes. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God's name will praise him, while the mouths of liars will be silenced. This is a fantastic psalm. We remember different scriptures. If you're going to remember anything, remember this one. It is awesome. A great foundation. There's so many great psalms, but this one is one to keep going around in your mind all the time. And I love the beginning. I love the start of this psalm. And have you ever said this to God? God, you are my God. Oh God, one of the other translations is, oh God, you are my God. The first thing is that that David is connected. He is connected to God. Oh God, you are my God. I am yours and you are mine. I am connected to the highest source of love, to all love, immeasurable love, so much love and we are connected. I love you, God. You are mine and I 
am yours. I belong to you. This is right. This is a place where you belong. This is a place of immeasurable love. I love you, God. This is right. This is true. This is my true self is when I am alive in you because you are flowing through me. You are in me. Oh, God, you are my God. David is significantly connected. He is connected in this place where he's got nothing. He's just, he's chased. He's connected to God. He is connected. So many people are connected to so many different things these days. People are looking for connection. And they are connected to all the clubs and all the desires and all the things they think they should do. But here is the one true thing which is right, which is true. He's connected to God. People are connected to their fears at the moment. So many fears. Lifeline is just getting a lot more phone calls at the moment. And people have got the same story. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid. I'm fearful. This fear is overriding their connection. It's just constant all the time. But here, David, when he's in a fearful place, he's connected to God. He's connected to the one thing that's given him foundation. God, you are my God. It's a place of surrender. It's a place of let go of circumstance. It's a place of just focusing and sitting, not needing to know about the circumstances, but focusing on God. Which leads me to the second thing, the second ingredient, the second element of this psalm. And there will be other things in this psalm, but I've just got four for you today. Is that David is really, really focused. He's really focused on God. And the next part of the psalm, he's just pouring out worship. And there are two places here, two places which he he touches on. He says from verse 1 again, Earnestly I seek you, I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. That's down to verse 6. And there are two, two places here, and he is really focused on God. He's worshipping God, and he's just, he's, just, he's just focused. One thing, just one person focused on God. And he finds him in two places. And the first place that he says, I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. He's seen him in the sanctuary, in the tabernacle, the one that Moses built. And they had it set up. And he'd been there. He'd seen it. And he'd seen the presence of God in that place. And he remembers. He longs for those people, that place of God's presence, the physical place where God had set up the the tabernacle and the, the Ark of the Covenant. He had this focus on the sanctuary, this one place that he'd focused on, he'd gazed in there. And David discovers this treasure of God's presence in this place. And Jesus said, Jesus loved the church. And he, he said, I'm going to build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And you have a place to focus on God. You have this place or a place. You have a place where you belong, where you can focus your life. You can focus and you can experience the presence, the truth of God. And a lot of people have a lot of different ideas about what church is, about what it should be like. It is God's people. It is the body of Christ. If you want to ask me out for dinner, feel free to ask me out for dinner. But it'll be a little bit strange if you don't invite my wife 
There's two of us. Oh, yeah, you can come, but we're not quite, I don't know about Sarah. She, just, just don't do that. You know, we don't get into her. We're just not, not into it. But yeah, you can come. But there's, there's two of us. You asking me? We're both coming. You know, Jesus, you, you, you just do the Jesus thing, but not a, I don't know about the church. I don't know, they're sort of hypocrites, aren't they? A lot of people can criticise and look on from the outside or they have one experience with a Christian purple person, Christian person and then they write the whole church off, which is what I did when I was very young because I saw a guy have a go at another guy and I thought, oh, well, they shouldn't be like that. Isn't that right? They shouldn't do that. My sense of justice went off and I was like, that's not right. I'm not doing that. And then I got picked up by a hitchhiker and he asked me and I told him that story and then he said to me, you know, Jesus is a person and it just pulled that thought out of my mind and I realised there's something else. And then I started bumping into Christian people and they had something that I didn't have and it was peace. It was actually peace. But it pulled that thought out and a lot of people think contrary to the truth. If you really knew the truth, you'd love the church because Jesus loves the church. He's into the church and David discovers this treasure of the presence of God in the house of God. And he remembers it. But I've beheld your glory. I have beheld what you have done. He's tasted the grace of God. And how awesome is it when you've been in church for a while and you know God has worked through you. You're like, oh, he's so gracious. You've tasted that grace. You've tasted that presence. So that's the first place to focus on God. The second place here, he says, on my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night through the watches of the night. And this is a secret place. This is a secret place. This is an unseen place, an unseen place. And Jesus said, go into your room and close the door. Pray to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what you do in secret will reward you. Isn't that great? What a fantastic idea. Let's have a secret place, a place where we can just shut everything out and be still and be quiet and listen to God. And listen, I went into the prayer meeting this morning and there's Al, he's just sitting there. I was like, you're just waiting, aren't you? There he was, he was just listening, wasn't even saying anything. Just having a secret place and then I interrupted it. Now we just moved on to the next scriptures, which is where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. And then Ruth came in and we had a fantastic prayer meeting. But a secret place, mine is typically outside with the mosquitoes because inside my house there's just way too too many females and the dog is female as well. So like I'm seriously outnumbered. So I've got to go outside to get quiet and just slap a few, slap my face every now and then. (sighs) So then we got all these traps around and we're just going hard after the mosquitoes so I don't have to slap myself in the face every time I go to pray. These two foundations, these two focuses will help you, will actually guide you. Just like David, when he sought God through this season, when he sought God pretty much all of his life, the main failure he had, which was probably I would consider the biggest failure in the whole Bible, was when he stopped walking in his anointing. Anyway, my message doesn't go there, but he did focus on God a lot. And he, he was okay with secret places. He was young and like wild out there with the sheep just on his toes, just with a sling. And he would have been brilliant with a slingshot. 
And I used to love going around the bush when I was a kid with my slingshot, but nothing like him. His life depended on it. He would pinpoint right hand and left hand and play his harp. Probably had a fire going, looking after the sheep. But what an amazing work ethic. I mean, if I'm pretty sure all of us, if a bear came, we just, okay, you have the sheep. We're just not coming after you. But not David. David's work ethic was, you, it's like Gandalf the Grey in The Lord of the Rings. We just watched that again when he fights that massive demon. I don't know if you've seen it. Yet. You shall not pass. You shall not take my sheep. <laughs> and then, like, the, the bear wouldn't have, the, the lion and that, they wouldn't have seen him coming. He would have been so, his hearing, his eyesight, everything was so, his senses, his, he was so fast. When he ran towards Goliath, it says he ran quickly. He ran quickly. Talk about Caleb and Jono being able to run fast. This guy was just Usain Bolt-like out of the blocks, super fast. Came at Goliath so fast, Goliath didn't know what hit him. He was fast. He was agile, alert. He was just in the zone. And all the while he was out there worshipping God, playing his harp, just connecting, focusing on God. Focusing on God. So focus on God in the house of God. Discover his presence. Focus on him in your quiet place. Where is your quiet place? Have you been in your quiet place lately? Have you found a quiet place? Find a quiet place. There's always a quiet place. Always. God is always waiting for you still to listen to go after him focus on God the third thing the third thing I want to notice here and give you this morning is that David fully trusts God fully he's in this place he fully trusts God in verse 7 and 8 he says because you are my helper I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings I cling to you your strong right hand holds me securely and David knows God's help he knows God's help he was helped when he was a shepherd he was helped when he took on Goliath and he was helped all the way through this desert season and he kept asking God he kept asking him he kept going after after this one person he kept going after God so he's out in the desert and he hears that the Philistines are attacking a city called it's something like this Kaliah okay Kyla, is that right, Hudson? You would know. I thought Hudson did a fantastic job preaching two sermons in a row, and especially one where he only had a couple of days to um, prepare. And we were at home quarantining because a few of us had COVID in our house. Um, and I just thought that was awesome, Hud. And I think you shared a lot of this stuff about David. So I'm just taking some of your points. Um, and so he knows God's help. And what an awesome thing to be helped by God. Have you been helped by God lately? It's a, a fantastic thing to have a gap and then have God's grace fill it. And so the, he finds out about these guys that are, that are getting attacked. It says they're raiding the threshing floors. That means they're stealing all the food and they're just plundering these people. And so he goes to help them and he inquires of the Lord, which is his habit. Uh, and the Lord tells him, go, fight them. But his men are afraid. So he inquires of the Lord a second time and he... Uh, he gets another word, go, I've given them into your hands. It's interesting when you read through some of these seasons of David's life because he inquires of God and God just sort of gives him one word or two word or three word answers all the time. He doesn't need to say much and, God, and David just does it. So he goes and he fights these guys and then uh, he 
saves the city, and then he um, gets, he's in the city, and it's a fortified city, so there's a wall around it, and Saul finds out about David being in a fortified city, and he thinks, right, I've got him. The Lord has delivered him into my hands. It's amazing how you can think that God has done something for you when he hasn't, because Saul is just like claiming God right there, using a bit of God speech. Many people use God's speech and they haven't even prayed about it or they can't even remember what the prophet said or they're not reading their Bible or they don't know where the secret place is. Don't talk to me about God's speech unless, with God's speech unless you're really into him. You know? Amazes me. Anyway, that was Saul. He was a bit insecure. Um, and David finds out Saul's coming to get him again and he's feeling trapped. So what does he do? He asks God again. He's always trusting God, always seeking God's help. He's always asking and receiving. Isn't that interesting? He's asking and receiving. Ask and you will receive. But when you ask, believe that you're going to receive. That's a scripture, by the way, and I can't remember where it is. But I'm sure someone who's really anointed, because it's not part of my message, but it goes well with my message. So you'll have to ask the pastor afterwards. When I, I, early in my faith, is it great when you first become a Christian? Because... Justin, you'll do this because you're sort of new. Uh, newish. You're still in the newish zone, man. Um, so you can ask, and it's just like when you're first a Christian, you ask, and it seems like God answers all your prayers. But then after a little while, you've, you've sort of got to really build some faith and, and really so get into God a bit more. But when I went to, uh, I did four trips to Mexico and just built homes in poor communities. And one, one time I worked out my budget and I was $500 short, and I worked out, I can't actually work that much to get this money, and I'm thinking, oh, how am I going to get this money? So I asked God for it, and within a couple of days, I received a check uh, in the mail for $500, which was interesting because it had already been sent before I asked for it. Um, And it came from um, my parents' friends. They had some friends. uh, They'd been asking um, about us, about you know, my parents' children, what are they doing? What are they into? Oh, they're doing these trips and they found out about it, uh, knowing nothing of my shortfall in my budget and um, decided they were just going to send me $500 and here I am with a $500. And it, just, it was a fantastic encouragement when God helps you. And you will find that when you go after God and you focus your life on God and you're connecting with him, that he will help you all the time. And even when you think he's not helping you, He's orchestrating things in the scenes behind to help you out. And that has been my experience now for over 20 years. God is always subtly moving, doing something because I'm lined up with his plans and focused on him. And he's got something bigger than I can imagine. And I'm happy to go with that because that's where you discover grace and love and his provision. And he is a helper and he wants to help you. And he will help you. So ask him, just like David always asked him. Always asked him. All right, the fourth thing in this scripture, uh, this psalm that uh, is really encouraging and goes with the other three of connecting with God, of focusing on him and trusting him is faith. And in the last two um, verses, uh, it says, uh, last three verses, verse 9, They who seek my life will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. 
All who swear by God's name will praise him, while the mouths of liars will be silenced. I love that in verse 11, because he said, but the king, but he's not the king, is he? He's just the, he's, he's the fugitive. He's just the chased one. And a lot of the people are actually scared of Saul. They love David, but they're willing to hand David over to Saul. They're willing, some of, the, some of these like, we know where he is, he's over here, he's hiding in these caves. David is just declaring God's goodness, declaring what the prophet said because the prophet came and anointed him to be king. So he doesn't have a mentality of a fugitive. He has a mentality of being a king, even though he's in a difficult place, even though he's not the king, he's declaring that he is the king. He's declaring God's goodness. And how important for us to declare God's goodness all the time. And who knows adversity can come from all different angles, but we have a higher vision of who the vic- where the victory is. The victory is in Jesus. The victory is in God, and we are called to declare that victory. And the first purpose of speaking is creating. It operates in a different realm than the natural realm, and that's what God set it up to be. When he spoke, things came to being. You need to take the power of God's victory and declare what the prophet said. Declare what the scriptures said. And have faith. And I just love this ending because he declares what the prophet said and then he declares victory over his, or before that he declares victory over his enemies. He speaks to his enemies. And he did this with the lion and the bear. You know this because he did it with Goliath. And that wasn't the first time he'd had a victory. You know, he had a, a lion skin rug on his floor, in his bedroom, with a massive lion head on it. And on the wall, it was like going to Canada or Europe or somewhere. There was a big bear head with teeth and freaky eyes. And he didn't have fake ones back then, so he just left the real ones in. Bear skin, like bed covering. He had memories of victory memories of what God had done for him. And when he came out, when he was so fast and alert and he struck the the bear and he struck the lion and they turned on him, so he struck him again. Not once. He, He just beat them and had victory. But he went in there, just like he went in with Goliath. I bless this. I'm taking you down, bear. He was talking. He was declaring God's victory. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I'm going to take that sheep. Oh, yeah. One thing I love about this church, you come out for prayer, most of the prayer team at some point, well, pretty much all of them are going to say, you got a scripture for that? What are we fighting with here? The Bible says, fight the good fight of faith. Stand your ground. Stand. After having done all, stand. Take a stand. What are we standing on? We're standing on what God has said. Standing on this book. Alive in your spirit, in your heart. So when something comes against you, you've got something to come back with. And here he is declaring victory over his enemies. Those who seek my life will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. When he went out to face Goliath, he said to Goliath, Goliath said, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And Goliath cursed him. He said, you come with me. You come against me with the sword and the spear and the javelin. And he said, 
I come against you in the name of the Lord. And this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands. I'll strike you down and I'll cut off your head. He didn't even have a sword. No one had ever taken the sword out of Goliath's hand, ever. But that's exactly what happened. He just had a pinpoint. He had to hit right in his forehead and knocked him out. And now I'll just use your sword. Thank you very much. I mean, it's a violent part of Scripture, that. And he was violent and he was a worshipper. And the violent take ground. They take ground. And we are called to have a violence because you have an enemy who wants to get into your mind and get into your body and control your thoughts and get you all focused on something else. In Philippians verse 3, it says that many live as enemies of the cross. Their minds are on earthly things. Their minds are on the natural. And Jesus said, man does not live by bread, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And we are called to live in this way, with this fight of faith, holding on to these scriptures. Fight the good fight of faith. Jesus said to speak to the mountain. When he cursed the fig tree, he says, ah, this is nothing. You, you keep your faith in the fight long enough. You have mustard seed faith, small faith, but it's not about the measure of the seed. It's about how long you keep it going, that it will grow into a tree. Your faith will grow. And so he said, you speak to this, speak to this. What are you speaking to at the moment? You, you, I hope you're speaking to something because something is speaking against you. When I was out at Lake Kajeligo, first trip, I did two trips, took me on, and... Um, Bethany decided to introduce me as old man. Old man. This is Jono. This is Josh. I'm Beth. This is this, this guy, that guy. This is old man Byron. And I had to forgive her. Um, and I came to a point of grace. Um, it wasn't, I didn't have enough myself, so I had to get some from Jesus. And, um, and then, you know, I... Um, I, uh, you know, just had this real spiritual battle, just thinking, I am washed up now, I'm old, I can't do it. This foreboding spirit started calling on me. I was thinking, oh, I just, I'm, I'm done. Put me out of pasture. Uh, and we went out to this quarry, this old quarry, this big sort of water, and they're jumping off and they're doing all these backflips. I'm like, this is great. And I'm just having complex, like, I'm too old for this now. I can't do it anymore. And then Kath did it. And when Kath did it, I thought, She's got more courage than me. I'm really washed up. Um, and I thought, I better do it. So I climbed up this cliff, which loose stones, you know, you could have died kind of cliff uh, easily. It's some serious um, OH&S with that trip. Um, and, um, uh, and, and then, and then I, I felt old. I was like, wow. I had a moment. I was going to, on the edge, you know. I'm on the edge. So I said, the Lord bless me and keep me and may his face shine upon me. And I jumped into the water and we just, I just was young again after that. Washed it all away. But um, that was some spiritual warfare on a very, very minute scale. But I don't know what your battle is. But always, always be declaring victory. It says, I will die by the sword. Take up the sword of the spirit. Don't hold back. Satan doesn't hold back when he's having a go. Don't hold back. Take up the sword of the Spirit and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all requests. 
with everything, always praying in the Spirit. Come on, let's pray, Father God. Come on. Why don't we stand, pray. So let's connect with God. Let's focus on Him. Let's trust Him. And let's move forward in faith this year. Stay alive, a living stone in the house of God. Be blessed. Bless other people. Father, we bless you today. And we thank you, Lord, for your will and our ability to connect with you, to walk with you day in and day out, in the morning, Lord, in the evening, during the day, always you're present. And we just really pray that you would help us to have a bigger awareness of you, to walk with you, to trust you when there's circumstances that are adverse or just all the time and to declare your goodness, to have your word alive in our hearts and coming out our mouths all the time. We bless you today. Hallelujah. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.